Hi, hello, it is Josh Bowe, uh, editor at Mavs Moneyball, coming to you with another edition of Mavs Moneyball After Dark. I am hosting for Kirk after the Mavericks beat the Miami Heat 93-83 on New Year's evening. Uh, Kirk took the recap, so trying to lighten his his holiday load with uh, recording duties and hosting duties. Kirk, how are you doing? Really good. You know, that was... Uh... It's a nice surprise to start to start the year. I was not looking forward to that New Year's Day games. The Mavericks have played a lot of them since I've covered the team, including two here in Washington, D.C., where I live. And the quality of the basketball usually stinks. Uh, the quality of basketball today stunk, but the Mavericks played good enough for about two and a half quarters to, to get the win. Yeah, it was... <laughs> uh a rough first half to say the least uh, 20 to 16 dallas led uh the heat i don't know like this felt like one of those games where it didn't really matter what the mavericks necessarily did i don't think the heat were going to win this basketball game with the way their offense was uh mm-hmm. they were missing just every like their offense was just a, a disaster i mean they only scored uh 31 points in the first half i mean they just could not hit any shots i think duncan robinson missed his first like five three-pointers uh, and he had a lot of decent looks. Uh, Tyler Hero, like Hero and Duncan Robinson finished the game two for 12 from three. Like that's that, you know, obviously credit the Mavericks for doing some some good things. But this just seemed like a, a bad shooting night. And the Mavericks, I think, deserved to get one of those because uh, the Charlotte game, the Hornets threw up a couple of some a handful of junk shots like the Mavericks were due for having a team kind of be off for once. Uh, yeah. So I got, you know, obviously like impressive win. Uh, it's, you know, Heat were the NBA finalists from the East a year ago. So a double digit win over a contender, despite how weird this NBA season is. I mean, you, 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 you take it and run, especially with the Maverick, the way the Mavericks started. What were kind of your observations coming out of this one? Um, all right. So let's, I'll try to be positive first. I, I think, you know, watching Luca really get in his bag and go to work at the rim and play in space was really fun. He had a couple of moves. The one, I think it was over Bam Adebayo where he just put the poor guy in a blender and, Mm -hmm. you know, like pivot. He, he, he developed this real nice turnaround kind of spin move in the lane last year. And now he has another counter or he had, you know, he's had it, but he's been using another counter where it's like like a counter to a counter where he drives, spins, shot fakes on the spin, and then dips under. And there's just not much a defender can do unless that defender is willing to stay home the entire time. And Luca has such nice touch from like you know about 15 feet when he's in a, when he's in a rhythm, as he likes to say. So like that was really that was really fun to see. Um, it was also really nice. It, it, this kind of goes both ways. Like Dwight Powell had eight rebounds, which is wild. Um, he didn't, I don't think he had any in the second half, which is just unbelievable in and of itself, but it was nice to see him kind of crash the boards a little bit harder. He played a little bit better. I, I still don't understand what Dallas is doing there with him, but it, it's, it was nice. So it, there's, you know, a few things to take away. Jason Rich or Jason, Josh Richardson looked a little bit better offensively. Um, yeah, you know, there's it's like steps in the right direction, but no real nothing that I can take away from tonight's game that makes me say, okay, like I feel better about this team's direction. Yeah, uh, it's hard to talk about this team. Yeah. Uh, 
after it uh, since the Phoenix game, it's been four straight blowouts. Uh, mm-hmm. two in uh the bad way and two in the good way. And when you have these really lopsided scores, and I know the Mavericks only won by ten, but I mean, really, this game was decided by the end of the third quarter. It felt like, uh, and the Heat kind of just went on a little run there to make it make it competitive. But it was never, you know, it was never a single digit game in the second half. So for I mean, this game was a blowout basically uh from halftime on um it that makes it really hard because you know these types of results it's hard to say like how much of it was the Mavericks doing and how much of it was the other team just didn't have it because like you know as great as the Mavericks played in that 51 point win against the Clippers like you don't get that game unless your opponent is just catastrophically horrible like so it just skews things so much and like trying to read into the numbers and the data when these scores are so lopsided it's just I feel like it's impossible. So like the thing I'm trying to do is just watch how guys are moving and, you know, just maybe the little things. And like with Luca, you talked about uh, his game and like, I feel like this is one of the better nine for 22 shooting games he's ever played. Like uh, I didn't really, I wasn't really paying attention to the box score during the game. And I was like, man, he, this is a good Luca game. This is a good effort. This is, he looks good. And then you look at the end of the box score, and yeah, he's got a crazy stat line, 27, 15, and 7, but he you know, shot 9 of 22 from the floor and 3 of 10 from 3, and that's still not great. But like, I think he was uh, really good around the rim, and he looked like himself uh, going to the basket, which has been an issue for him in the first four games. So that was really nice to see. I think it's hilarious that 3 for 10 considers a big shooting slump buster night. Uh, but when, hey, when you're shooting 9 percent from three entering a game uh that's kind of how it goes um so like that part looked good to me you know uh the role players doing just enough was nice like you said richardson kind of had a weird game one of five from three uh but he had a pretty good defensive game i think he had a hand in tyler hero and duncan robinson not shooting too too well tonight but they did like just enough. Like Richardson's defense was was quality. Uh, Hardaway Jr. hit shots in the first half. He kind of went space cadet in the second half, but the first half they needed that. Uh, Finney Smith hit just made just enough shots. He seemingly missed all the ones Luca gave him, but he made all the other well, ones. Yeah, and <laughs> so they and got just enough from those guys. That that's actually what I wanted to talk about. Yeah, while I feel like concern trolling. Um, the Mavericks have to start hitting some shots, some open shots. And it's, it's, they're shooting 32% from three on, as a team through five games. Like, that's terrible. Um, it's, it's not good enough, frankly. Uh, you know, they need to be 4% higher, which is statistically significant in this, in this case. And on their three point shooting, I pulled some data, you know, for the recap. The Mavericks uh, through four games, so not including tonight's data were 23rd in the league on open three-point percentage. And open three-point percentage is, is is defined as, you know, nobody within six feet. And that happens a lot for the Mavericks offense. It's the way it's designed is open three-point corner shots, wing shots, things of that nature with the way that the ball moves and the spacing. And, you know, obviously, I, I think the spacing, we, we sometimes overemphasize the three-point stuff. A lot of the spacing is designed that so Luca can have space to get in the rim and, and do things there, which he obviously does well. But so many of these kickouts, it's starting to get painful watching really functional, I don't want to call them good shooters because they're not. Um, I've had a number of people come and tell me that 
you know, that watched a lot of Sixers games tell me that they're very like they they think we should be concerned about Richardson as a shooter as a concept. Um, that his Miami season before he got traded is is looks more like an outlier the more he plays, and we don't have enough data to really say that yet because he he came off the preseason he was like shooting you know like seventy five percent from the three point line and then since has just been very very bad. Um, I I don't know what to do with that because again it it feels so it, a lot of this feels like an extended preseason to an extent. And I feel like the process is good for what Dallas is trying to do for a fair amount of their offense. It's that the results aren't very good. And I am unclear on what they could do to fix it. Does that make any sense? Yeah. It's like, that's why you know, part of it is it's tough to talk about this team because you're absolutely right. Like they're getting good shots. It's not like the problem with the offense isn't that they're getting bad shots. It's that they're just not making the good, the shot, the good shots that they get. And then you get into a deeper discussion where it's like, okay, well, do they have the roster that supports this play style, which is, you know, Luca being the maestro and creating a bunch of three-point shots. And you have to have confidence that guys like Finney Smith and Hardaway and Richardson and Kleba and Burke and Brunson and all these guys can make all those shots. So, cause like, like you said, they're getting them. So they, it's just a matter of hitting them. And that's like a, that's like such a boring thing to write about because it's just it's just kind of you can say it in one sentence and kind of sum it up. Uh, I thought a really funny moment in the fourth quarter when the Mavericks were kind of struggling a little bit was so Dorian Finney-Smith catches an air ball, an offensive rebound air ball with about four, five or five seconds left on the shot clock, so it doesn't reset with the air ball. Catches it under the rim, dribbles out, realizes with about three seconds left that the that he needs to put up a shot. So he kind of takes it off the dribble, 18-footer. Turnaround. Yeah, turnaround. <laughs> and then the very next possession, you have Luke in the pick and roll, I think, slinging a LeBron, LeBronian-esque three-point uh, assist, you know, right into the corner, right into the shooter's pocket. Uh, and there's no one within, like, eight feet of Dorian, and he misses it. And it's just yeah. like, it was just that kind of night. It was it was very strange. Uh, Luca had <laughs> Luca had seven assists, and I feel like if this keeps going the way it's going, he's going to strangle someone in the locker room after one of these games. Well, it's- he gets really visibly irritated, yeah. and then takes a bad shot on offense because he's like, "Why should I pass to these guys?" He threw. He he rarely throws. Uh, he rarely throws the ball at court unless there's an easy play to be made. He threw one up to Willie Cauley Stein, who. You know, tonight's game was a great example of why Willie Cauley-Stein does not get more playing time. He makes the wrong decision every other play, be it defense or offense. He does the thing that the highlight play is really what he he wants, which is silly because it's just like all he had to do was he caught the ball in the lane. He is seven foot tall. He caught it. uh, He could have turned to his right and dunked it. And instead, he throws a jump pass out for a brick three. And then a little later on, like, I just, like, watching him play basketball is very frustrating because there's, you know, there's, that's the Tyson Chandler toolkit, you know, that, that Fish used to talk about. And, and the guy is just not, he just, it's really frustrating to see a player make the wrong decision as frequently as he does for as much as he's played basketball. But it, it kind of is what it is. It was a good example um uh but luca is going to kill somebody if he if these guys don't make these shots because you know 
he was hanging, and I, I found this out after the game. He's at 999 career assists. You think he doesn't know that? Like, he's just <laughs> hanging. And and they got to just start connecting. And I've had some people – I wrote this in the recap, so if you read the recap, I'm sorry I'm repeating myself. I've had some people reach out to me about this potential assist stuff that I keep talking about. And over the, potential assists are probably not a good read game to game. I'm probably using them wrong in some way, shape, or form. I'm not a really good advanced stats guy. But I also see the kind of shots that Luka is getting the, the team. So when he, you know, last game he had five assists and 17 potential assists. So that means to me he put 12 other pose- uh, twelve other possessions ended in an opportunity for the Mavericks to score, and they did not. And I bet on at least a third of those were wide open attempts and all this stuff connects and the Mavericks just have to be a little bit better because, you know, I'm not sure that the defense was that much better. Really. Um, the heat turned it over a lot. They're a little sloppy. You know, this is a game. I'm glad they got the W, but it's just so odd because it doesn't feel like with these, with these games, this, this extended preseason that there's really anything to pick up and I'm not sure what to do with that. Yeah, I guess it's a. It should be. We should consider it a, like the Mavericks shot forty one percent from the field, thirty two percent from three. How many of those games do they win against a solid opponent a season ago? They probably. I mean, wasn't there a crazy stat about them? Uh, they just could not win games if they didn't shoot like. I can't remember what the percentage was, but if they shot under a certain percentage, they were they had lost like fifteen straight games or something crazy like that. I remember you and and. Uh, uh, Cooperstein or it kind of followed that that number uh, last season so at the very least no matter whatever much credit you want to give the Mavericks defense or you want to give the heat just laying an absolute turd of a game uh, the fact that they were able to win despite the fact that they couldn't really make any shots consistently throughout the night is at least a positive in the sense that I just don't think that the the team last year could have won those games so yeah that's that's nice. Um, the rebounding thing seemed to seems to be getting into their head, like in terms of like they're getting the message. Uh, everyone that played had at least two rebounds, <laughs> which is kind of wild. I don't know how many times you could say the Mavericks uh, have done that. I mean, literally uh, every single person uh, grabbed at least two rebounds uh, for everyone that played. So that's mm-hmm. nice. Luca having fifteen is outrageous. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, I'm. Uh, I want to talk more about this game, and I want to try to say more positive things. But the team didn't shoot well, and I feel like the Heat just kind of the Heat were just worse. Is yeah. kind of what it comes down to. And <laughs> yeah. and I I do kind of want to talk about the second unit a little bit. Why do we think Carlisle rolled back out with Burke and Brunson again? And why is Brunson the lead guard? Yeah, uh, he, had, he just had another. I don't know. It, it's one of. It, it's a fine. It wasn't terrible. He he had one really bad turnover, and he you know he can't he couldn't hit his shots as he took all his lefty leaner, his seventeen foot turnaround, like the shots that he likes, but I don't like. I mean, I'm I don't want to kill the guy. It's not like he did anything terrible this game. What do we think that he that that, that Carlisle's seeing? I don't know. I wonder. I I thought that the way that Brunson and Burke responded when he started splitting them up after that Suns game, I thought I saw enough good things for them to keep, keep doing that. But I mean, they, you know, they lost with the way some of these losses are. I just wonder if it's just his way of trying to mix things up 
even though I know a lot of fans wish she would mix things up in other other parts of the rotation, I honestly cannot say unless it's just the fact that the Heat. I don't know. The Heat aren't necessarily a huge team on the perimeter, um, so maybe it it would have been an easier game for Burke and Brunson to play. Uh, but I don't know, but they didn't, neither of them really were particularly great. I mean, they uh, were why the game went to crap in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Because each of I them think he was just wonder if he was just trying to steal, like this is his rotation. Like the guys he played off the bench, Johnson, Kleba, Collie Stein, Burke, Brunson. Those are the guys that are playing in games that matter. And everyone else that plays is only when it's like a 30 point game with, with two minutes left. Which So yeah, I know that's, that's a problem, but, um, I think he was just trying to get away with an all bench lineup to salt the game away without Luca. That must have been it. Uh, yeah. But at the, but like, <laughs> uh, why not throw in a you know why not sit one of Burke or, or Brunson and throw in a Josh Green when things are sputtering a little bit? Uh, but I don't you know I don't know you know it's Rick man I don't I don't think we can I'm not too confident in Green getting minutes unless uh, something happens that forces him to play. Uh, I think this is what Rick's going to roll with. Uh, I do too because Green's not happen. good enough right now. Um, yeah. He all his move like the limited time we've seen, he's played with like Boban, but I don't. I think he looks big but wooden, and I'm not. You know, as much as like the Mavericks themselves will tell us, well, you just can't expect that much from from these range of picks. And I'm seeing other teams that drafted around the same area with rookies who are doing some things. It's one of these things I just roll my eyes where it's just it's. I mean, they're playing the team that does this. They're yeah. playing the team that gets. Yeah, gets stuff yeah. out of those later first round picks. Yeah. Um, well, you know, we probably shouldn't be grumpy after a while. No, no, I'm, not. I'm just kind of like, eh, it just feels it feels like there should be more to be excited about. And instead, it's really, you know, just uh, on to the next one. I mean, they who do they play. They play the Bulls next, who are a tire fire of their own right. So it's that it's, has to be a get right game for them. Yeah. In terms of their offense single, and their juju. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Bulls are somehow two and three themselves but this is that yeah they they need to they need to figure something out i think yeah i think the bulls are only two and three because they their last two games they played were against washington which is probably the only other team in the league that looked a little worse for wear than chicago in the first week right. of the season so right. that helps. um i'm curious I, I i don't know what else to say about the game but i, I i'm guessing i really thought that Rick would use the five spot and the starting lineup until Chris Kristaps came back as like a a revolving door in the sense of just being like a matchup dependent lineup. Uh, I mean, he talked right. about that before the season, uh, and we've seen them do it last season when they played two bigs. You know, with like Maxi when they play against uh, the Bucks or against Zion and the Hornets. And that hasn't really happened yet. I mean, he's been pretty steadfast with this starting lineup. I wonder if he just wants to give it more time. I've been thinking more about Powell with his Achilles and the other guys coming back from Achilles this season, John Wall and Kevin Durant. And I read something interesting about how, like, Durant and Wall look pretty good considering, you know, they're coming back from Achilles. Mm -hmm. And Wall didn't play – like, and the fact that the last time Wall and Durant played basketball – since their Achilles injury because they had to have the extended, you know, because of the season suspension and the bubble and all that stuff. 
those guys haven't played like whether they wanted to or not uh, or whether they could or not they just haven't played in a really really long time like i think walt like they're both like 18 months plus removed from the injury uh and how often do we see you know guys usually it takes them a year to get back from that injury if they do get back so i don't know it just makes me think about pal and it's like i wonder if this is just what he's going to look like this year and that's not you know that's just just kind of how it is that's just how the human body is and i'm just curious if rick is going to be a little more fluid with that lineup going forward but i could also just this could also be just wasting breath because we know like Kristaps is going to come back and and things will change and and things yeah. will smooth themselves out so i don't know i was just i was just thinking about that today just what you know watching durant and wall and how they've returned and compared to pal who hurt his in january so he's you know basically t- he's still under 12 months returning from this injury. Oh yeah. 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 So, it's like KD basically had a whole other, like yeah. seven more months. I mean, there's something to that though. I also think there's something to like the level of player that, a, that a guy was before his injury, you know, like, yes, like, absolutely. Like, like Dominique Wilkins was an all NBA player before he tore his and was awesome after because he was an all NBA player before Kevin Durant is kind of the same deal. Um, Wes Matthews is kind of, is might be my, my, level of player basis comparison point because they're both you know guys in their late 20s where this happened to them and you know Wes has has recovered and made a fine career but he he's not the same guy he wasn't absolutely not and and i think that's kind of what it comes back to for powell because powell's the thing that powell you know besides the fact that i don't think a lot of people appreciate the timing and the know-how that being like a, a role man needs to possess. Powell was an unbelievably athletic player. I mean, that guy could sky. Not quite as good as Brandon Wright, but better than a lot of the league. I'll tell you that. Like watching Willie Collie Stein not be able to finish alley oops from Luca is kind of driving me nuts and really making me appreciate some of the stuff that that Powell was able to do. But Powell can't do that now. He, right. he cannot do that now. They have completely taken it out of the Dallas offense because the 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 verticality is not there right now, and I don't think it will be. I just don't because it's a it's a tendon that snapped. Like <laughs> yeah. it's not you know. And and I, I met a guy last summer who was a former overseas player uh, who tore his, and he showed me the differences in his calves. And he's like, no matter what I do, I cannot build muscle back up in this calf anymore. Uh, it's probably different for an NBA level player. I mean, Durant doesn't even have calf muscles, so it's kind of weird to look at. But <laughs> it's just—I don't know. It, it's 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 sad. I, I I was glad to see him make at least some progress on the floor to where we weren't calling for him to get off. But other than grab some rebounds that came to him, he just he doesn't do a lot, and it's it's yeah. frustrating. It's tough, so. but at least you know the Maverick. I, as much as Brick is ironclad with this starting lineup so far i mean pal isn't gonna like he did not come back on the floor in the fourth quarter when they needed it it was kleba who was the big that finished the game so as much as there's a lot of you know talk about pal's place in the in the lineup i think the mavericks kind of know like they know and they're i think they're just trying to make the best of a bad situation because as much as we want to make these decisions on paper like hey pal working his ass off you know you have to like there are things about locker room dynamics and team dynamics that are not just that are not as simple as who is putting up the better numbers all the time and, and all that stuff. So it's just a little bit more complex than that, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see where that yeah. goes. 
forward. I, um, I do want to say one thing before we get out of here. Something I've yeah. been thinking about is I I I will say I, I am dis, disconcerted, maybe that's the right word, that the team seems to be looking to or the fan base seems to be looking as Chris Stapp's Porzingis as a salve for a lot of the Mavericks problems. And he makes certain things a lot better, but I don't necessarily see where he fixes some of the, the gaping holes that have been exposed in the first few games. Maybe I could be wrong. I was very wrong about his effect on the offense to start the year last year. And he was a big factor in why Luca got off to such a great start. And, and he doesn't give it enough credit for that just because of the gravity, let alone, you know, his numbers might not have reflected it, but he's important. And so I just, I don't know. You know, Porzingis is not like, oh, hey, if we get Porzingis back, it just like it feels like a fantasy football team where you're like, God, if I just get the, you know, if I just get the wide receiver who's constantly uh, listed as questionable back, then I'll, I'll make a fantasy run. And it's like, mm, you know, what's the likelihood of this? You know, the things when it comes to Porzingis and injuries are like history is against the Mavericks. Like it just is. Um and so I, I, I just I worry about that a little bit in terms of what it means for expectations. I think this team's going to be fine. I think they're still top six in the West if they actually play it. But I, you know, I, I just I'm, a, I'm thinking about this right now. You know, game five game overreaction. That's just kind of where my head is. Yeah, I understand. I mean, Kristaps uh, coming back isn't going to make role players that are missing shots make shots. Right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> like um, he's not going to put the ball in the hole for Dory Fitty Smith or Tim Hardaway Jr. or whatever. Uh, and the, like it's, and then you think, well, the offense will be better. Well, like they're still gener, like you said earlier, they're still generating a ton of awesome, like open looks from three. Uh, I think the biggest thing we'll see is the rebounding will obviously be better because you know even if he's not like elite primo rebounder, he was still their leading rebounder. A year he ago. did play, yeah, he rebounded yeah. a lot better last year. Yeah, and yeah, and then I think Luca will be better because he doesn't. I think a big thing with his, you know, in addition to his. Uh, conditioning it's just i don't think he has a pick and roll partner right now that is scaring defenses um, no did you did you hear the maxi stat that they threw out no i didn't hear that what was Max, it 20 29 or uh 19 of maxi's 20 field goal attempts have been threes Ooh, yeah i mean that so makes sense he's a pop he's, he's a not, pick and pop guy yeah no so there's no rolling happening none right and that that just means luca doing a lot of you know generating mismatches and then doing the james harden thing so Right. And then as a pick and pop guy, uh, I would imagine, I know I haven't really looked at this closely, but you know, he doesn't, he's not going to have the same, he's not going to strike the fear into a deep, like if, if there's a Luca Maxi pick and roll and Maxi's popping, like, where do you think the defense is going? Even so, though Maxi is a better percentage yeah. three point shooter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, and that's no, yeah, it's no slight against Maxi. It's just rep, you know, what's the reputation and then how are these defenders going to react? They're obviously going to react more to Kristaps. Uh, so that'll, I think Luca's game will be, I think the rebounding and then Luca's efficiency are the two things probably that'll, that'll make the biggest difference with Kristaps back. But uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, I guess that's about it. Right. Kirk, is there anything yeah, else you want to hit it's on? It's apparently before? Friday today, which it doesn't feel like a thing. Like, I thought I it was like Saturday. Saturday. Yes. <laughs> uh, the days, yes, they are melting together. But we will be back, uh, presumably Sunday evening, uh, January third. Uh, they will play the Chicago Bulls, seven p.m. Central Time. So, so we'll be back around then. Uh, it seems like we are done. Mavericks beat the Heat, ninety-three, eighty-three. This is Maz Moneyball after dark for Josh and Kirk. 
Uh, thank you guys. Thanks for listening as always. And we'll be back later this weekend. Yeah.